creating an atmosphere for his spirit to come in to reign and rule we bless you God thank you for healing God thank you for deliverance God thank you for your mercy for your grace thank you that though we're apart we're one in spirit thank you God thank you God Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, we're praying that you forgive us of our sins and wash us of all unrighteousness. We're praying, Father, for a deeper hunger and a thirst for your word, Father. We thank you, God, for next level ministries, each and every member, Lord God. Though we go through a lot, we go through it together, Lord God. We thank you that we're not alone in our struggles. That, God, we're not um, suffering through depression and anxiety, but God, we know you as a healer. We know you as a provider. We know you that you're making ways even when we can't see how the way is going to be made. We're thanking you, God, that we're not going hungry, that we got food on our table, we got clothes on our back, that we haven't been evicted out of our house. There's no foreclosures going on in our homes. We thank you, God, Father, for our jobs, for, for the use and activity of our limbs. We're praying, God, that you would cover our doctors, cover the nurses, cover all those on the front line, Father, and as we're navigating through this crisis, Lord God, not even, I only want to call it a crisis, this wake-up call that you are giving us, Lord God, a moment to draw closer to you and to prioritize our lives, Lord God, so that, God, we know what really matters and who really matters. We're praying, God, for every pastor and every leader that you will continue to cover and give wisdom and guidance, Father, in this, in these times, Father. We're praying, Father, for our children, Lord God, that they will be stable and handling, Lord God, these, the changes in their schools and the changes in their friendships and how, um, God, we're just praying, God, that they would, um, God, the, the enemy is already trying to work with um, keeping people apart, Lord God. So, Father, we're praying that we know that socialization is an important part of growth, Lord. So we're praying, God, that you would um, quickly move in this area and blow this coronavirus away. Give your scientists and doctors um, the vaccines and the answers that are needed, Lord God, so that we can um, draw closer to each other and draw closer to you. We, Father, we're praying that we, we will put this service in your hands. We're thanking you for um, those who give and those who desire to give but don't have to give at this time. Father, that you would bless them. We're thanking you for the faithfulness. So thank you for favor with Bishop, Lord God, and Pastor Shirley and all the um, ministries, Lord God, at our location. Give us wisdom in how we are to move and being a help and drawing closer to other ministries that are doing work in our communities, Lord God, that we would be wise with the resources that you bless us with, Father, as we move forward and being a blessing to this community. And Father, we're praying that even in this time, Lord God, you would grow our ministry, Lord God, that people would desire to hear truth and um, draw closer to you. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. 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 Thank God that trouble don't last always. And we know that anything that comes in our life, we will get through it. Amen. 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 The love and the power of God. Amen. Open your Bibles to Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4. It's 19 verses. I just want to draw attention to a few other verses, but we're going to be talking and focusing on verse 6. 
six. Amen. The Bible says, Hear the word of the Lord, people of Israel, for the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth, no faithful love, no knowledge of God in the land. Cursing, lying, murder, stealing, adultery are rampant. One act of bloodshed follows another. For this reason the land mourns, and everyone who lives in it languishes. Along with the wild animals, the birds of the sky, even the fish of the sea disappear. But let no one dispute, let no one argue, for my case is against you priests. You will stumble by day. The prophet will also stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have hate, rejected knowledge, I will reject you from serving as my priests. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your sons. The more they multiply, the more they sinned against me. I will change their honor into disgrace. They feed on the sin of my people. They have an appetite for iniquity. The same judgment will happen to both people and priests. I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They will eat but not be satisfied. They will be promiscuous but not multiply. For they have abandoned their devotion to the Lord. Promiscuity, wine, and new wine take away one's understanding. My people consult their wooden idols and their driven rods and form them. For a spirit of promiscuity leads them astray. They act promiscuously and disobedience to their God. They sacrifice on the mountaintops and burn offerings on the hills and under oaks, poplars, and therabins because their shade is pleasant. And so your daughters act promiscuously and your daughters-in-law commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they act promiscuously or your daughters-in-laws when they commit adultery. For the men themselves go off with prostitutes. They make sacrifices with cold prostitutes. People without discernment are doomed. Israel, if you act promiscuously, don't let Judah become guilty. Do not go to Gilgal or make a pilgrimage to Beth Haven. And do not swear an oath as the Lord lives, for Israel is obstinate as a stubborn cow. Can, a, can the Lord now shepherd them like a lamb in an open meadow? Ephraim is attached to idols. Leave him alone. When their drinking is over, they turn to promiscuity. Israel's leaders fervently love disgrace. A wind with its wings will carry them off and they will be ashamed of their sacrifices. If you got your mirror, and if you, if you got your mirror, I need you to look at it and look at it. And if you got a neighbor, I need you to look at your neighbor. And I need you to say this. I am no dummy. I, I am no dummy. I am no dummy. There you go, amen. I am. I am no dummy. Listen, it, 
I, I know people, those of us that are embracing in this theology class that we're taking on Thursday nights, um, got a real cute text this week. But the text was profound in that it kind of echoes a lot of the sayings from a lot of the students that are in the class. We find ourselves lost sometimes when you're studying, you know, quote unquote, deep things of God. And, and a lot of times the question could come up, why is this even necessary? Why is it important that we know that we have the right text? Why is it important that we know all these terms? And why is it important that we um, study the word in the way that we study the word? Why can't we just deal with, you know, the issues of life? You know, like how, how to increase my faith? How how do I get, you know, God's blessing to rain on me? How how do I deal with depression? How do I deal? A lot of times we, we, wanna, we wanna know how we deal with our own issues in our current situations because for for the most part that seems more relevant than going into the deep things that that we're studying but it is important because in verse 6 of this text it says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge it's not it's not other people or being destroyed. He's saying my people, God's people. Just because we are God's people doesn't mean that we can go through life haphazardly and not feel that we're going to be attacked or destroyed just because we're God's people. The truth of the matter is this text proves the fact that even as God's children, we can be destroyed. And the writer says, why? Because we lack knowledge. Knowledge is one of those Hebrew and Greek words that cover a wide range of meanings. It, mean, it can mean intellectual understanding, personal experience, emotion, and personal relationships, including sexual intercourse. Knowledge is attributed both to God and to man. The Bible has a lot to say about knowledge or the lack of it. In Isaiah 5, 3, let me read. I'm going to take my time this morning. Is that all right? Yes. And I'm going to look at verse 13. It says this, Therefore my people will go into exile because they lack knowledge. Her dignitaries are starving and her masses are are parched with thirst. So without knowledge, people go into exile. I know you're saying, well, what's so bad about that? But what exile means is that it was a term that was used that when they would take the children of Israel and drag them into exile, it denotes a thing of putting a hook in someone's mouth as to lead them off. They were taken to exile where they were slaves. So when you don't have knowledge, it, 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 introduce, it introduces a doorway to slavery. Now, we, we've come a long way from slavery of old times, but when we don't have knowledge, we get led off into slavery of other things. 
And that's why we find ourselves struggling with so many different issues, whether it's a slave to sex, whether it's a slave to money, whether it's a slave to vanity, whether it's a slave to um, um, position and prestige, we, we become slaves. So he said, because of lack of knowledge, not only that, then go over to Romans. Romans chapter 10, verses 3. Because this is the opposite of knowledge is ignorance, right? Right? So when we are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, it means that when people are ignorant, they are being destroyed. So in Romans chapter 10, verses 3, he says this, Since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God, and attempt to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted to God's righteousness, right? And we know that when, what he's talking about, because they were ignorant, they were not able to, ignorant of the righteousness of God, people attempt to establish their own righteousness. And that, that, that's in Romans. That's where God turned people away to their own lust, turned them over to a reprobate mind. People who are ignorant, have, have no understanding and no knowledge. Last verse I want to give you on the lack of knowledge uh, or, or having knowledge. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says this so that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan for we are not ignorant of his schemes ignorance lack of knowledge so our our enemy the enemy of our soul and you can go back to over to Hosea the enemy of our soul knows that if we don't have knowledge if we don't uh, we're destroyed if we don't understand how our enemy operates then we will be destroyed so knowledge is a very important thing because with the lack of it we can be enslaved we can be destroyed by the enemy and we can be turned over to our own righteousness making up all kind of false doctrines and ways to go and believe in it's true because we don't know. And that's why we are studying theology like we're studying it, so that we'll have a strong foundation. Because for one thing, I refuse to pastor dumb people. Amen? Amen. We, we at Next Level will not be ignorant saints. Okay. God's knowledge is said to be omniscient. He knows all things. He understand, His understanding is beyond measure. That's in Psalms 147.5. He knows the thoughts of our minds, the secrets of our hearts. He knows past events, present happenings, and future events. The knowledge which God has of nations and human beings indicates that he has a personal interest, not just merely an awareness of his people. To be known by God means that a nation or an individual that is chosen by God has to play a part in God's purposes in the world. This is where this, this text, chapter 4, this is where we and the people of Israel in that time dropped the ball. Because what is happening and what we're seeing in this time and what's going on with this virus and this, um, this, this corona that's going on in this world is the fact that we 
have not been playing our part as God's people in the world. And because of that, all these things he says here in verse 1, the Lord has a case. Now, I don't know if any of y'all ever did any type of time or got arrested or have to go stand before a judge. But when it says that the Lord has a case, that means we are being pulled into the courtroom of heaven. And he says that he has a case against the inhabitants of the land. And here's the case. There is no truth. There is no faithful love. And there is no knowledge of God in the land. In other words, there, there's no truth. People are going by their own truth, by what they want to believe, trying to push away truth. There's no faithful love. People say they love God, but their hearts are far from them. They say that. And see, when you're in love, you want love is defined by faithfulness. I need you to understand this. Love is defined by faithfulness. You can't just say you love someone and there's no works to go behind your love. So a lot of people talk about they love God, but the faithfulness is not there. And when you and, and, and what that means is when you enter into a marriage covenant, we learned about that in chapter three and in chapter two. There is a marriage covenant going on between us and God. And when we are unfaithful, we are not reaping the benefits of a faithful marriage. You don't want to be married to someone who's unfaithful. And so love without faithfulness is not love. So in other words, let me tell you like this. If my wife gets on my last nerve, that does not mean I'm not going to pay the bills. <laughs> you, right? That, that doesn't mean she can't have no light for that month because I'm mad at her. No, faithfulness says that I'm gonna still do my part in this relationship because we are in a love relationship and love requires faithfulness. But God is saying I have a case because there are people who, who do not have knowledge of the truth, knowledge of the true God, right? No intimate fellowship. And then he says, drop down verse three because I just wanna give you a few things about this case. Well, no, let's go to verse 2, because this is what we do. There's cursing, lying, murder, stealing, adultery, rampant. And one act of bloodshed follows another. Right? Remember, remember at one time, I think it was when in the in the early 80s, when stuff started really going left for real. You know, you, you would hear about somebody getting um shot or somebody getting killed in our neighborhood and you know everyone would mourn and you know it, it could be a few months before you heard of something else. And then it just became like we, we got so callous to hearing our people being killed and the murder that's going on in the street. It became so rampant one after another. You couldn't turn on the news one from one day to the next without hearing this one got shot. This one's dead. This one. It was one act of bloodshed right after the other. And that happens when there is no knowledge of God in the land. And he says, for this reason, the land mourns. It's not even people who are mourning. He's saying that creation, the land mourns. And everyone who is in it lives in anguish. Everything is going crazy in our world today. The, the climate is crazy. I posted, uh, uh, there was one day, not even last week, where it was sunny, it was sunny, snowing, and all in one day. Right, right. 
You understand? It's just the things that are going on, and we're just looking at it like, oh, this is, you know, God is in control of everything. And if we do not understand the signs of seasons, the signs of times, the things that the prophecies in the Bible have written about. See, when you know about these things, when you have knowledge of these things, when you have studied these things, when you see them, they don't surprise you because you trust and you know that this is nothing but what God has said is going to happen anyway. Can I get an amen? amen? So he says this, and he says this, and before, before we get to our main verse, he says, let, let no one dispute and let nobody argue, for my case is against you priests. Now, I know for some of you, you might think, oh, well, good, that ain't got nothing to do with me, man. The case isn't against me, it's against the priests. It's against you, pastor. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. <laughs> it's against you. But the Bible says, hallelujah, that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy people, that you should, y'all better help me over here. So that means that if you have been called and chosen and are a child of God, that means everybody that is on band, everybody that's looking at Zoom, that's right, look in the mirror, Say, I am a priest. That's right, you are a priest. And and, the, and the, the thing about it, if you are of male gender, that means you are the priest of your home. Yeah. Now, now this is going to mess you up. He says, drop down, and I want you to pay attention to this, because we're going to deal with my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But I, I want you to understand something that really drew my attention as I was reading this. It, I already read it to you, but we can talk about the wine. Y'all know about the wine. Stop drinking. You, you know, he says in verse 8, they feed on the sin of my people for they have an appetite for their iniquity. They have an appetite. I just need you to check your desire. Check your appetite. The Bible says we are to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. But when you taste of that forbidden fruit, you develop an appetite for that thing that God said you shouldn't have. You ain't gonna say nothing. Yes. You ain't gonna see. See, the enemy's not gonna just get you in slavery on the first night. He's gonna right, feed it to right, you. Right. He's gonna let you develop an appetite for it, and then the more you eat it, the more you want it. And as a matter of fact, it's not even you that wants it. It's your flesh that wants it, because the flesh has a mind of its own. Y'all better, better help me. See, the Bible says, that's what Paul was saying when he said the good I want to do. Why don't I do it? But the bad I don't want to do that, I keep doing. I find then that there is a law within me that the sin man, that in my flesh, that is my sin nature, he's the one that desires to do the wrong. But in my spirit, I serve the law of Christ. Amen. That's yeah. Romans chapter 7. You read it. You study it. I ain't got time. I got too much to say and too little time to say it. So you got to be careful about the things you keep indulging in that are creating appetites. That's why fasting is good, not just for your spirit. It's for, yeah. see, because the soul doesn't fast. The flesh fasts. The fast is to put the flesh under subjection so that your spirit can do the things that it wants to do and have control over your flesh. Amen. But he says this. 
when it comes to priests. He says this in verse 14. And I, I, I had to ask, God, give me, give me understanding of something. He said, I will not punish your daughters when they act promiscuously or your daughter-in-laws when they commit adultery. For the men themselves go off with prostitutes. I'm not going to spend too much time here, but I want you to understand something about the role of a priest. As a man, you are the priest in your home. The Bible's saying, I can't punish your children, your, 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 your girl's seed, because the job of the father yeah. is to cover yes. his daughters. And if the father is acting wild, y'all not yes. going to say nothing. Yeah. See, that, that, that he, God is saying, I'm not going to have a double standard. I'm, I'm not going to punish girls for, that's, that was the ironic, now, now watch this. Hit this gonna thank you, Holy Spirit. When Jesus, when they brought the woman who was caught in adultery to Jesus, yeah. Jesus stepped down and, and began to write in the sand. And nobody, everybody has an idea of what Jesus would have wrote. Some say, you know, when they, it makes good preaching, but it's theologically, it's not correct. It's good preaching to say that he probably wrote down all the names of the men who slept with this chick, but he didn't do that because God is still a God of mercy and cover. He, he could have went down and just started drawing pictures in the sand and making mud pies, but Jesus was about business I, I, and because Jesus came to fulfill prophecy God better help me yeah. I, I, it would have been more likely that Jesus wrote down this scripture That's oh my yeah. God I'm not going to punish my daughters well, or maybe he yeah. just wrote Hosea chapter 4 verse <laughs> Y'all better help me up in here. So we understand that there is no double standard. We, 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 God holds everyone to the same level of standard. Now listen, let, let's get to, to me and I'm almost out of your way. The word knowledge in the Bible denotes an understanding, a recognition, or an acknowledgement. It means to know something or to be to perceive it, to be aware of it. It, it actually means light. It means that, so if, you, if I say, my people are destroyed for a lack of light, because light has come to dispel darkness. Where there is no light, there is just darkness. So when we say that we have knowledge of something, it means that we have been uh, made aware of it. We have had intimate relationship with it, right? Mm -hmm. As with Adam and Eve, he knew his wife. There is an intimate relationship. It carries the idea of a deeper appreciation of something or a relationship with someone. The Bible is clear that the knowledge of God is the most valuable knowledge a human being can possess. But it is also clear that simply being aware of God's existence is not sufficient enough. The knowledge of God must encompass a deep appreciation for a relationship with him. That's what this is about. This is about looking at our, 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 our world and 
an understanding. I got to get a knowledge of things. So we know that from scripture that knowledge is a gift from God because Proverbs chapter 2 verse 6 tells us that the Lord gives wisdom that comes from out of his mouth, the word of God, and that the wisdom of God results in knowledge and understanding. James adds that those who lack wisdom only have to ask God for it and he will give it to them. God's desire is for all of us to know him, to appreciate him, to have a relationship with him. And therefore, he grants to all who truly seek him the wisdom that leads to knowledge. Yeah. Further, because knowledge is God's to give, those who reverence him will receive it. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The word fear is not dread or terror, but a reverence, a respect for his law, a respect for his will, a respect for his rule in our lives. The fear of offending him, which then leads us to obey him, worship him, and praise him. See, in, in, in the theology class, what we are getting is knowledge, right? Yeah. We're getting knowledge. Now, here, this is going to blow your mind. But this is so. This is. I want to encourage those who who are taking this class because I know it was hard for me. That's why I had to go through it like three or four times. But 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 here's the thing. God never tells us that we have to understand it. He tells us we have to know it. Mm. Amen. Did, did did you catch yes. that? Yes. Yes. See. He, he said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, not the beginning of understanding. Because the Bible tells us to lean not to our own understanding, but it tells us to get knowledge. Here's the thing. What we are learning is information that is being processed through the avenue of the Holy Spirit. When you get that knowledge, you then set yourself up for revelation. You cannot get revelation without knowledge. Yeah. You have to first have the knowledge, and then when God sends a circumstance, or he begins to confirm his word, then that word that you have gotten knowledge of begins to open up in your life. Yeah. And then understanding comes. With understanding comes wisdom. Y'all better help me. Y'all better help me. See, in my relationship with my wife, I know her, right? I get knowledge about her. The more we live together, the more we are together, we're learning each other, right? Mm -hmm. So I have this knowledge. Once I get the knowledge, now when I get to do something, I, I, if I know she doesn't like anything, I'll change how I respond or what I do because of the knowledge that I have about her. Right. Y'all better help me. Right. That's understanding. Now, I have the understanding, I have the knowledge. If I choose to act a fool when I know there's something that she doesn't like and I give it to her anyway, that's not wisdom. So you first have to get knowledge about God. As we're getting knowledge about God, he'll open up his word to us. He begins to reveal himself based on the knowledge we have of him. And then he expects us as his people to use that wisdom in our daily lives. Right. 
So God gives the gift of knowledge out of his infinite storehouse of knowledge. Psalms 119.12 tells us that God's creation reveals the creator's knowledge. Night after night, the skies display knowledge. The vastness of God's knowledge and creative power are on display continually, and they are clearly seen in what he has created, as Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. Not only is God's knowledge infinite, it is absolute. Oh, the depths and the riches of his wisdom, the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments, his past beyond tracing out. Romans 11.33 When God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, he became the embodiment of knowledge. Colossians 2, 2 and 3 says, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Human knowledge, apart from God, is flawed. The Bible refers to it as worthless because it isn't tempered by love. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. The knowledge of man that, that man possesses tends to make him proud. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Therefore, the pursuit of knowledge for its own sake without seeking God is foolishness. Then I applied myself to understanding of wisdom, but I learned this too, that chasing after the wind, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. That's Ecclesiastes 1, 17 through 18. Worldly knowledge is false. Knowledge which is opposed to God's truth. And Paul urges us to turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed in so doing, have wandered from the faith. Human knowledge is opposed to God's knowledge, and therefore it is no knowledge at all, but it is straight foolishness. Yeah. As I close, for us as Christians, knowledge implies a relationship. When Adam knew his wife, it means that they had a physical union together. Spiritual relationships are also described this way. Jesus used the word know to refer to his saving relationship with those who follow him. I am the good shepherd. Those who know my voice will follow me. Y'all better help me. He also told his disciples, you will know knowledge, the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Yeah. By contrast, Jesus is saying that to the unbelieving Jew, you do not know my father. You do not have knowledge of my father. Therefore, to know Christ is to have faith in him. Look at your neighbor and say, I am no dummy. I am no, no I am no dummy. See, because I have learned with knowledge, the knowledge that I have about God, that I am supposed to follow him. I'm not supposed to follow any other false doctrine because I know true doctrine. I'm to have a relationship with him because he's been in my life saving me from dangers seen and unseen, pulling us out of traps, pulling us out of way, always making a way when there is no way. Like the song said, trouble don't last always. And because I know him and I know too much about him to ever doubt him. Y'all better help me. Yeah. I, I know him. To know him is to love him. And to love him means I'm going to serve him. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to bless him. And to know him and to love him is to be loved by him. Yeah. So as we increase in knowledge, we don't have to worry about being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because at next level, we're getting too much knowledge. Yeah. We're getting too yeah. much word. We're getting too much truth. So that when the enemy comes or storms in your life, 
begin to rise and they want to put fear in our lives. We don't have to worry about it because we know the God who heals. We know the God who delivers. We know the God who sets free. We know the God who, y'all better come on up in it. We serve a mighty God. Yes. And here's the scary part. As I go, here's, here's what's so scary about this reopening situation. They are opening up states not knowing anything about this virus. Right. They don't know anything. They say what they know one day, the next day that ain't what they know. Now it's something new. They, if they know, see if they knew something, they, they know the flu. <laughs> That's why they got a, they got vaccines for the flu. Because they, they tried it. But then it, it morphs so you can't know. Because here's, watch this. A virus's DNA is so that you don't know it. Right. That's why it continues to change because it doesn't want to be known. Jesus. And whatever. Mm, Amen. So, so, so we have to be careful about going into the unknown. And the only thing we know about an unknown situation is a known God. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. You can't go into an unknown situation without knowing your God. Because you will be operating in fear. Right. You'll be operating where I'm not wondering what's going on, but I bind that spirit of fear right now in the name of Amen. Jesus. Because we know our God. We yes. know He's able. We know He's more than good. He know that He's kept us. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. And we give Him praise for yes. it all in Jesus' name. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.